Phoebe. I'm Clancy. And I'm Damien. You might be asking, what do two Aussies and a POM have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face on all our currencies. Even the coins. There's a great Union Jack floating around some flags as well. And we speak the same language, sort of. Somehow. Allegedly. Have we love winding each other up? What are we doing here then? Winding you up. But anyway, on this show we discuss current Australian politics. We take a look at past events. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. What? I didn't sign up for this. What? It's in the show's name, Phoebe. Welcome to Let's Save the Governor General. No, I don't want to. Kick him out. What about her? Or her. No, let's <laughs> just not have a governor general. Let's have a republic. With who is, pre- <laughs> with who is president? Not ScoMo. President ScoMo. President ScoMo. No, President Julia Gillard. President Craig Kelly. Good evening and welcome to the Sunday, Sunday 5th of February edition of Let's Save the Governor. Good morning. Oh, wrong. Yes. <laughs> Wrong time zone. You, you're 14 hours behind. But as as always, I'm joined by my best friends and two of the one one lovely lady and and some woman apparently. I am some woman. Yes. Oh, there you go. That's that some woman. Clancy, how are you? I'm well, Damien. Clancy is Clancy is literally glowing at this stage. It's because I have the sun behind me. Oh well, you you shine bright. I'm also sunburned, probably. Oh, okay, well, that's so to hear that. And from the other side of the world in the wrong time zone and eating breakfast is that lady, Phoebe J. Rose. Phoebe J. Rose, Queen of the Sauna. I've been equalised. <laughs> have you now? Okay. I, mean, I, could, just, I could just have, look at how uniform my, my complexion is. She's, 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 she's an English rose. See, that's very true. I was very disappointed yesterday, though, with my English roses. They lost to them. Bloody Scots. Oh, the bloody Scots. The no, bloody no, Scots you're saying like that's a bad thing again. Oh, it is. Being Scottish oh, isn't it? Oh, it is. We lost the only rugby trophy that matters, and we lost it yeah. to them north of that Adrian's Wall. You can, you can like, switch sides and, you know, pretend you're I can you do that, my Aussie friend? I can you. I can you yeah, pretend good. to be a Scot? I'm English. I bleed red roses, and I roar like a lion. Well, speaking of people roaring like a lion, I'm going to lead off with uh, now a little bit of a jam-packed episode we've got planned for today, and it is going to be a little bit heavy. Uh, the first thing I plan on discussing is the Alice Springs uh, alcohol alcohol intervention ban kind of thing. Here is our mate Albo. Back from a flying visit to WA and straight into a meeting of the Voice Referendum Working Group. Opposition leader Peter Dutton appearing remotely to voice his concerns. We don't hide from the fullness of our history. As the alcohol-fuelled crisis of violence in Alice Springs revives a historical problem. The Northern Territory Government has absolutely thrown everything that we have the capacity to do to tackle these issues. And it hasn't worked. Also meeting Mr Albanese today, NT Chief Minister Natasha Files is balking at the chief recommendations of a snap review by new Central Australian Commissioner Doril Anderson to extend the alcohol bans imposed last week. Despite conceding, 
Wow. Oh, right. Can I, so, can I just say that photo of that woman? I'm not sure who that was. Was it Files? Uh, let me just jump back to. No, not her. The one before. Okay. After. The one before. Her. Female <laughs> version of Peter Dutton. Now, now, you, now you, you say it, I cannot unsee it. What I can say, for those of you that are listening, you won't have a clue what we're on about. But that's oh what God. I would recommend, is you could recommend, I can recommend this though. You can come over to the YouTube channel where you can watch the video version of this. Yes. You just, you just, just listening to it. <laughs> just relies on the person who runs this to uh, take the time to upload. But yes, good, good, good point, good point. Is, is uh, there just, a YouTube version? I just there is. There. On, my, on my channel, there is a dedicated section to, let's say, the Governor General coming... Mm. And it you is going to feature this episode. This, baby. I, I, I need to make up next time. Well, I thought we could kiss and make up, but that would just be. <laughs> anyway, but let's get back, back on track. Back That's on track, ladies. Back on track. Back on track. So, as a bit of a as a bit of a primer to those who may not fully uh, be fully aware, Alice Springs is a town in the Northern Territory. It's in the centre, uh, basically the centre of Australia. It is a like a small desert town. There's it is about a pain eight, in the arse to get to. Yes, it is. I think it's a town of about eighty thousand, roughly something like that. If I'm not if it's I'm not mistaken. Town in NT. Yes, yes. Um, and so, but one of the problems there, though, is is that uh, alcohol fueled violence has been a problem apparently for years, and now for whatever reason, uh, the powers that be have decided, as a step to tackle it, that on Mondays and Tuesdays no one will be able to buy alcohol. That doesn't really work, in my opinion. Well, so someone, ho- someone it's hopes. Like it's, here's the thing. In Britain, we used to have alcohol restrictions on a Sunday. You know, lovely okay. blue law. The Lord's and Day, you yes. Pur- you couldn't purchase alcohol until after like two o'clock in the afternoon. You could rope off areas and stuff. Yeah, and this yeah, was yeah. in a bid to reduce alcohol uh, abuse and, well, partly to push people to their local religious centre, etc. Et oh, okay. But that's a wow. question for another day. But, and pubs also used to have restricted opening times and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But what people would then do is people would then buy lots of alcohol the night before. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Go and drink it in their own home. So that's what's going to happen here, in my opinion. Mm. So the problem that you have with this alcohol ban is what we're now, what I'm now seeing on the screen is people with, you know, cases of alcohol mm-hmm. in their car and parties at their home and people going, yeah, great. And what you will do is you'll get what we had in America in the uh, 1930s. The prohibition, uh, like people still making it. And and people making it and uh, under the table and stuff. So, Damien, you're in a part of Australia that doesn't have an alcohol ban. Have you considered driving from your local unbanned area of Australia to, say, the outskirts of Alice Springs and setting up your own, you know, booze mobile to make some, you know, Good buck on a Monday or a Tuesday. No, no, I, I've got other ways of uh, earning money that doesn't involve exploiting. Uh, I, I'm actually more, f- uh, I'm more for less alcohol consumption in Australia, not more. I'm all for reducing the amount of alcohol that's consumed. The people that want to consume alcohol are going to consume alcohol. Fine. It's like, it's like trying to reduce cigarette smoking. You could yes. ban cigarette smoking on a Monday and a Tuesday or the sale of tobacco on a Monday and a Tuesday. 
that people yep. would still smoke because they purchased on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday instead. Yes. Um, now there is a. It's very hard to avoid the racial undertones of this whole this whole thing. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, and I was trying my very best to avoid all racial. Look, undertones, I think I think it, I think it bears I think it bears discussing. I think it bears discussing about. It does because um, here Clancy is uh, Clancy is back. Hopefully she can hear and uh, talk to us. Um, when it comes to alcohol bans, I'd just like to say that these are a very much a white man thing attacking indigenous groups all over the world. In Alaska, there are indigenous Alaskan alcohol bans. Okay. In parts of Canada, same thing applies. In yeah. parts of Australia, same things apply. In parts of New Zealand, same things apply. Why is it that the white man not just you, Damien, but white man in general, gets pissed as a fart on a Saturday night mm. and go around knocking about police officers and this and that and the other. But yeah. we don't get alcohol banned because, you know, we're a white person. Uh, but, you know, we get indigenous communities that have <clears throat> alcohol-fueled violence and they then get slapped with a ban for doing the same thing that Whitey has gone and done. Uh, look, I would say that alcohol-fueled violence has Can been a problem. Yeah, go, 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 Clance. So there's, there's actually a few layers to that, Phoebe, because a lot of the alcohol has actually been imposed by the Indigenous people themselves, okay? And there's a couple of reasons for that. Part of it is that genetically a lot of Indigenous tribes and peoples in places like Canada, the USA, Australia, New Zealand and other places genetically don't cope with drinking alcohol. They don't actually have the enzymes to pro to process mm -hmm. alcohol. And I'm going to jump in there. You may you may have heard of uh, alcohol flush syndrome, which is yes. where if you if you drink alcohol and your face gets all red and swollen, is because you literally don't have the enzymes to process alcohol properly. Process it, yeah. So anyway, so, continue so on. There's, there's there's a couple of reasons for that. So there's a lot of places in Australia, especially, and I know there is in Canada and the USA where Indigenous communities have actually banned alcohol from their own communities. It's got nothing to do with white man. They have actually made it's that It's the white choice. man government that's enforcing all the rules. No, no, it's not. It's in not. Canada it is and in America it is. I understand some, not of the sovereign tribes in, some of the sovereign tribes in the United States have done the same. But what I'm trying to get at here is the hypocrisy of a load of drunk, European-origined 19, 20-year-olds beating seven bells out of each other in Manukau City Centre or Birmingham City Centre or the ACT. People don't go around calling for the banning of alcohol because of those violent events that happen every Friday night and Saturday night perpetrated by people of European origin. I, no, I, I, I agree with you. So that's why I'm saying there's a few different yeah. layers to this. It's just yeah. it's not a simple issue. <coughs> okay. So the the other the other issue to this is that socio-cultural aspect of it where mm -hmm. white people have more privilege. We tend to have a lot more alcohol in our lives. We tend to afford a lot more alcohol in our lives. 
it's not that and it's we no aren't less prosecuted of... for domestic abuse as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's no less of a problem, okay? It's no no less of a problem in white society. But unfortunately in black in a lot of black places in the Northern Territory in Queensland and Western Australia, for instance, where that has become an issue, it has exacerbated existing socio-cultural issues such as domestic violence and poverty and abuse of children and all those other things that are already there. It's just made those things worse. So that's so the it, perspective they're coming from. It's not just purely uh, let's ban alcohol because alcohol is bad and, and we we make, you know, have more problems because of it. It's It's become targeted to those those communities because it's really a lot worse because of that socio-cultural divide i guess well the other the other thing is like if uh we were completely racist against the indigenous communities we wouldn't do anything we would just let them you know fight it out and battle it out and you know bash each other up for the oh, sake here's of the question here's you the know. question they're not the only people that live in alice springs though so no, you, could, you, you could say that if we were going down this hypothetical completely racist route, we're banning alcohol to stop the indigenous person beating up the white man. Or, 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 or you saw in that footage just then, indigenous yeah. people beating up indigenous people. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, more, it's more about violence within their own communities than externally. Yeah. Because, but because I, I was just playing the hypothetical card there. I was purely themselves. hypothetical there. Because we saw, um, like, I, I think I think that alcohol is part of the problem, but um, how can I say, like, you know, I think we have to focus on, like, positive health outcomes, uh, employment, um, you know, so, like, I think the reason that you would get into a cycle of alcohol fuel violence is because you have nothing to really do. You know, if you're unemployed, if you yeah. don't have, don't see much Alice hope. Springs, much- Alice Springs was set up as a waypoint to get around Australia, because Australia is enormous. It is. Alice Springs was set up because there was access to water, access to settlement, and access Mm -hmm. to food there. So if you were going to the Northern Territory and you say you wanted to get to Darwin, or you you wanted to say... What I'm saying is, say you wanted to get to Darwin, and you were coming from Perth, You'd go and you'd stop over in Alice Springs because it makes sense. You wouldn't try to make the journey pre-airplane from Perth to Darwin is a straight line. It just wouldn't make sense. You'd die in the desert. You'd have to go all the way around the coast and all the way around the coast. And that would take days and days and days. And it cut days off by setting up a settlement in the middle of Australia. And it very nearly became the capital of the Central Australian Territory, which was a short-lived territory in Australia, and I think it was in some point. But then they realised that it was unviable, so then they just absorbed it back into what it was. But getting back to the point here, Mm -hmm. Alice Springs needs economic investment. It needs things doing for it. It needs things going for it. Yes, It can't just sustain itself as this former stopover city mm-hmm. of travellers from the pre-airplane, pre-railway days mm-hmm. because it has just been forgotten in the middle of um, Australia where we have coastal communities in 
NST, so in NSW, SW, Victoria, in South Australia, in Victoria, and we have Tasmania all settling itself, and we have the Barrier Reef as we go up Queensland. Why would anybody want to go to the NT at the moment? What is the NT tourist board saying to me as a Brit? Come visit the NT. Why should I get off my backside when I'm going to, say, Surfers Paradise or the Gold Coast or yep. Melbourne or the or having a nosy around the Opera House in Sydney? Why would I make that journey to go and give my my hard-earned money to the economy of Alice Springs. Yes, okay, there's some history there, but what else have you got? Start uh, selling you, yourself to the world. Uh, you, you, you can say that, uh, I don't know if you can see on the screen here, these uh, stickers are quite popular with the uh, working class uh, people, especially around my part of the world. Can you Wouldn't see it on the screen? That- as I, all I can say is you wouldn't see that on a billboard near me. Well, <laughs> done, that's, you, would get, uh, you, would, you would fall foul of the Advertising Standards Agency. It's it, it's you, obviously us red Clancy, can you have... see that? Uh, Clancy? Is Clancy there? Let me see if Clancy is in the house. Clancy. Oh, hello. We were discussing these stickers. What is your opinion of these stickers? The, um, I love the um, if see you in the NT ones. Yes, see you in the NT. Yeah. Um, look, I actually think they're very clever. Oh, I agree. They're clever, but they're kind of crass. They're very clever. I, look, they I've, may... not, I've not ever been to the Northern Territory myself. It is someplace I would love to go. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, why I haven't think... you been? I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Too far too is it expensive. Because, is it because it's inaccessible and difficult to get to? No, it's because oh. it's fucking fucking expensive. Yeah, Why it is, is it so fun. expensive? What makes it so expensive? Ask Mr. Joyce. Ask Mr. Joyce, who is uh, you know, from yeah. your part of the I, world. I would, actually, I would actually love to go there. I, I was offered a job in the Northern Territory in Alice Springs, Um I did consider did it, come, it. Did it come? Did it come with an alcohol allowance or something? No, but it did come with a paid-for accommodation and a car. Um, I, look, I thought about it. It's, it's no, it's not, it's something I actually still want to do, but I, I don't like the heat. Part of the reason I moved to Tasmania from Sydney was because I don't like the heat, and it's fucking it. hot up there. It is. Um, speaking of hot, well, let, let's let's move on to this. This point I wanted to make as well was that uh, sometime last week there was a town meeting uh, attended by about three thousand people. Uh, the ABC covered it, and you, I don't know if you can see this particular photo here. Let me see if I can zoom in just to give you an idea of uh, what I'm looking at. Uh, the ABC covered it. Um, the ABC interviewed a couple of people who, who, who were outside the forum and basically said, uh, what do they say? Um, a total white supremacist fest with a scary vibe. Uh, the ABC actually ended up retracting, uh, ended up apologizing for that uh, report because it did make the uh, the people inside look like screaming racists, you know, who are just waiting for MAGA, MAGA hats to arrive, you know, kind of thing. Whereas you can you see, you know, like, photos, Damien. Sorry, you just swap photos. 
Oh, yeah, we're still, still on the C-U-N-T-1. C-U-N-T-1. Oh, sorry, sorry. So I will use, so I'm going to start using the private yeah. chat to let you know. Yeah, that's a, yep. So you see there, there is a, yeah, so this this here on the on the screen, um, yeah, the ABC uh, interviewed some people outside this uh, particular yeah. meeting and they said, oh, it was a white supremacist festival, scary. Um, yes, as a... You know, but then these people gen- genuinely feel threatened, and uh, they want to do something about uh, about I their. I uh, by the coverage that media sources that are run by the government keep on doing today. Just as an aside here, the media that is run by the government, for the ABC, the BBC, etc., they are getting more and more desperate to try to grab the headlines off their tabloid counterparts, and this is another thing that's being done. It's just nonsense. I mean, oof. as in, like, explain explain your viewpoint there, Phoebs. So, things like the BBC, particular in my part of the world, and the ABC in your part of the world, they seem to be trying to grab the space that's in my country inhabited by the Daily Mail, or in your country inhabited by Sky News. Uh-huh. They are increasingly trying to grab headlines and they're increasingly trying to create controversy where none exists and they're trying to make conflict A versus conflict B because it worked for their commercial partners because their commercial partners have to rely on eyeballs watching them. Whereas yeah. government-run organisations should not be in that business. Whether they should exist or not is another question for another day. But yeah. they should be there as a public service, not as a public circus. Hey, that's... There we go. That's very, very good there, Phoebe. Very good. Uh, look, we'll see what happens with the uh, Northern Territory, I suppose, intervention part two. Um, the original Howard-era intervention was quite unpopular. Poor. It was poor. Look... John I'm, I'm, Howard, he did some very good things, John Howard, but he also did some very bad things. He did. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with opinion, the best, The best thing John Howard ever did, did was uh, the gun restrictions after the Port Arthur mess. Federal, federal firearms restrictions was a very good thing. Joining Bushy Boy and Blair in... All I will say is joining Bushy Boy and Blair in toppling Saddam, nah. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's move on to uh, our favorite uh, our favorite Catholic or our second favorite Catholic punching bag, Dominic Perrottet, who has uh, spoken out in defense of his school. Um, so I don't know how much you know about the Catholic uh, religion. There is a group inside the Catholic Church called Opus Dei, which literally yes. means uh, they have the, British wo- cabinet ministers. British cabinet oh. ministers have been Ooh, members okay. of Opus Dei. Ruth Kelly, <laughs> under the. Uh, Premiership of both Tony Blair and Gordon Brown was a member of Opus Dei. Okay, so they're they're basically like the more hardcore, more hardcore Catholics. Yeah. Um, there are the and she Opus Dei for equalities. Oh, jeez, good luck with that. Um, so anyway, it's come out in the last week or so that the Opus Dei schools have been preaching. I don't know if you're familiar with the term purity culture in the U- in the US. The US evangelical equivalent is purity culture, in which they basically teach you know no no sex before marriage, masturbation is a sin, um, pornography is a sin, um, you know absolute sexual purity. 
Um, yeah, so these schools are preaching these kind of hardline religious views. Uh, Dom's associated with them because he went to their schools when he was growing up. Um, some, as it says here, uh, schools have links to several senior MPs and staffers from the right wing of the Liberal Party. And uh, our, our mate Dom has said it's not a crime to be Catholic, which well, is true, but it is a crime to... It is a give, crime to be Dominic Parate, though. It's, it's a crime to give bad um, sexual advice and to, uh, you know... And, and look, I, have, if, I have found a series of photographs of purity rings for you, Damien. If you just oh, uh, you know could bring them up, that would be wonderful. This is, uh, I'm afraid to look in the private chat, but I'm I'm brave. I'm brave. Let's see what let's see what Phoebe's purity rings look like. Oh, they look very. Uh, uh, they so if look you can, like if you, can, if you can flip them up on the screen, this is what we're. This is what's actually you know being very, aimed very at. yeah, like very heavy within like the Midwest of America and and, and the yeah. South and all that. Yeah. And like it's, this, also this known, kind of... it's also known as the silver ring thing. Oh, okay, I didn't know about but, that. You know, but... in those sorts of things too, they also have father-daughter balls, for Christ's sake. Yes, yep. Um, like I, I, I saw this and I, I got flashbacks to when I walked into Word Bookshop. Um, as Ooh. as a young as a young Christian, uh, Word Bookshop is one of the most prolific uh, Christian bookstores in Australia, and they, also they, they have branches in the UK. Oh, I can only know about them. Um, yeah, and they they would sell this kind of like paraphernalia, like not just books, but also like you know necklaces and rings and you know yeah stuff like this. And they would do two times. They'd do the chunky one, which was for the males to wear, and they'd do the slimline ones for the females to wear. Yeah. Look, I I will wait and forgive. No. No. Oh look, there's a purity ring on a Bible. <laughs> look, this this whole concept of purity to me is pretty despicable, though. You know, true love, true love waits. No, fuck that. My beloved will wait for true, me. True, true love doesn't care. Hey, there's one with a Bible verse on it. Can't work yeah, out. True, Timothy four, uh, one Timothy four twelve. True love doesn't care how many times you've been fucked by somebody else. So true love uh, doesn't care about you know not having exemptions. Uh, consensually, Clancy, consensually. That's that's consensually, the thing. Well, either either or this. I yeah, mean, true. this that's is actually a good point. point. Good point. If you if you if you think about a lot of religions in the world, especially Islam, they have prescriptions against women who've been raped. Mm, correct. Yes. Uh, and fa they facial prescriptions and they force against... women who have been raped to marry their rapists, or they stone them. As as an honor killer, exactly. And here's the thing. And here's the thing. In parts of Islam, you have the triple talaq. I don't know if you know what the triple talaq is, but a man can no. divorce his wife Islamic oh, yes. way yeah. by yeah. repeating the same phrase three times, three and times. therefore they are yeah. divorced. The triple yeah. talaq. Whereas the wife has no no such right reciprocity, and she could have been forced into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a result of you know unwanted, violent, yeah. potentially. Mm. Sexual intercourse. Yeah. So, oh, so essentially, es essentially, this this whole idea of virgin culture and purity and all this sort of thing is a complete mm -hmm. travesty. Um, and and but it comes from this whole idea of sex as being a sin, and yeah. sex was never a fucking sin. It in my fun. opinion, sex mm -hmm. is just a natural, normal part of life, and and, and an expression of love and. Anymore. 
as an expression of love and uh, companionship. Absolutely. Apart from but the fact that also, it's used sex is also a way of relieving stress, tension, and having a lot of fun on a uh-huh. night out with somebody that you're never going to see again because you just want to have that little bit of release and you don't want to have all of the romance that goes with it. You just want sex. You just want to yeah. fuck. And yes, Damien yes, understands. Yay! But, but you get you get people from all sorts of cultures, you know. Not, I'm not specifying any one culture, and it's a big thing in Christianity, in Judaism, yep. in Islam, Islam, yeah, all over the place. Buddhism, who Hinduism, even Buddhism, who focus on this idea of purity and virginity and all that sort of thing. Virginity is a social construct. It doesn't actually exist. Like it's a moment. It's a, it's a state. It's a state of your particular no, genitals. It's not even that. Like, I mean, I, 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 I always used to say that I lost my virginity in stages. Like, where okay. is the point where you lose your virginity? Is it the moment that you let a man penetrate you with something, or is it the moment that? What I will say. What I will say is that you think yourself. No. What I will oh. say is that with Princess Diana, the British um, establishment realised that they could find out if she was a virgin or not, by sticking a flashlight up her trousers and searching for her hymen. But that's not even accurate. I know, they actually did that. They actually did that to the the late uh, Diana Spencer. It's all complete posh. And the the fact that it's only focused on the woman, no one actually fucking cares what the man's been doing with his dick. Well, it's interesting because... um, Tony Abbott is on record as saying like years ago that, you know, if he wished anything for his daughters, it would to be to keep their virginity intact until uh, uh, until they were married. I remember he said, I don't know if it, those exact words, but I remember I'm him sorry, saying I something. I'm really, really, really sorry for his daughters. I feel mm. really, really sorry for anybody associated with Tony Abbott. Well, like his daughters. This, this, this is true. But but this is part of my point. It's, it's a false <coughs> date. Virginity is a false state. It doesn't actually have, you know, if you if you look at the the animal kingdom, for instance, they you know they fuck with impunity. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> they, they, they do, they do, they uh, yes, a bit more uh, why, loose. Why than does what? it matter so much in human society that a woman, particularly, has not had sexual contact with? A male of the species, and this is this is another point that I have to make. You know, up until only a hundred years or so, um, you know, Queen Victoria didn't believe in bloody lesbianism, for instance. Allegedly, allegedly, you know. So what? So why is it so important that if you put one bit of yourself inside somebody else's bit, that it's such a big deal? It's- because there's there's this kind yeah. of like okay you know in horror movies how the trope is that the young virgin girl is the one who survives like in especially in the eighties slasher movies if you saw two people having sex they they the were most likely die well but both both of them both of them will die yeah. um, and like the virgin girl was the one who always survived it's because we've always had this kind of moral connection social moral connection to sexual intercourse. I mean, look at oh, The Exorcist. Why? Who was the main character in The Exorcist? Who did they give The Exorcism to? 
She a was a young virgin white girl. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but the virgin usually is the victim in most of these tropes, and there's no actual, um, I guess, advantage of being a virgin in most of those tropes. I mean, who's the one that gets sacrificed? Well, virgins and virgin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but in in re- in recent horror films, that's been turned around to make the virgin woman the hero. Yeah, but that I mean, again, you can see, you can see that, Friday the Thirteenth and, and whole purity. It's that whole purity trope as well. Well, well, it's and, a, it's, it it's a way of storytelling. It's a way. Yeah, it's a way it of storytelling. But it comes from that whole idea of original sin. Okay. Yeah. So this, I don't even understand why this became a part of Christianity, but for some reason. Poor old Eve, all she did yeah. was do something that she was told might <laughs> yeah. be an issue. And, might be an and, issue. It might be, might be an issue. You know, it might, might be a couple of problems well, here. She gained knowledge. You yeah, know, I that, mean, how uh, was she supposed to know? Yeah, well, look, uh, if, if there's one thing you can count on religion to do, that is to uh, put women well. in their place. Put women in their place. Uh, speaking of women in their place, but also to warp your sense of reality in some cases yeah. yes I, I would agree i would agree uh speaking of and warping sense of warping sense of realities <laughs> yes uh senator jim molan has recently passed uh, passed away a uh, long-time liberal new south wales senator jim molan who's actually a former i forget what he was he was a uh, he was pretty high up in the, in the army he was uh he was, th- he was a fairly decent guy he was he yes was, oh, he sorry. was he was in the words of paul keegan he was a considered policy-driven conservative. He wasn't one of these hyperbolic people. He was a considered policy-driven conservative. I may have disagreed with Mr. Merton on a lot of issues, but he was a policy-driven, well-founded conservative. Mm-hmm. He wasn't yeah. one of these johnny come latelys hyperbolic lunatics like the man who wants to replace him. <laughs> yes. Tony well. Abbott. So there is a uh, there is talk. I don't know how far talk has gone of potentially Tony Abbott, the former prime minister, former member for Warringah, uh, possibly taking Jim Molan's Senate spot. And this is this is because in the Australian Senate, if a person suddenly resigns or has to vacate their Senate spot, the party that holds yes or dies has to vacate. Uh, the party can replace them with a person of their choosing. But but that person has to be uh, endorsed by the parliament of the state that the vacancy is is situated. Does New South Wales have a liberal party majority? I think they do, and I think um, the New South Wales is run by a fairly conservative Catholic man. You know, just just who just happens to believe roughly the same things as Mr. Anthony John Abbott. Funny. But Funnily enough, Anthony John Abbott would have to give up his trade role from the government of the United Kingdom. Well, do, do you think? Do you think he would, Phoebes? Do you think he would? For a chance to get back in the limelight and a chance to, you know, potentially run the Senate the next time that the uh, Liberal Party take power, absolutely. Okay. That's uh, because he could very conceivably become speaker of the senate <laughs> when the liberal party win in say nine years' time, he'll still be going yeah. because 
he'll be number yeah. one on the list and no one will vote so heavily against the Liberal Party. In about nine years' time, watch nine this years. space, he yeah. could be President of the Senate of Australia. Uh, now, I did mention this in our private chat, and I think the only benefit of uh, a Tony Abbott return would be to see the Greens shriek in horror as he as he says, I'm back. That Is would that be... I'm not a big fan of the Greens. Any just, just, no just, me, just me personally. It's like, you know, I think they, you know, make a little no, bit. I know you don't like Lydia Thorpe. <laughs> oh, I have nothing personally against exactly. the set your hair on fire eco warriors that are the Green Party. Lydia Thorpe is a person I'd probably get along with just as a politician. Well, I do have an issue with a lot of their unsound economic policies, in my opinion and their unsound policies when it comes to some of the positions that they hold. You can be a very considered policy-driven green which has got a position that makes sense. But the problem that I have mm -hmm. with a lot of the green politics in the UK, in Europe, in America, in Australia, is that they're not that considered. They're, I'm going to say this, and I say this without meaning to cause too much offence. They are protesters who got onto a ballot paper and weren't supposed to win. <laughs> that's a, that's an inter interesting way of putting it. That's an interesting way of putting it. Like, um, I, yeah, just trying to think. Um, I, no, that, makes me, that makes me think of Trump. Yeah, here's another example of individuals who were not supposed to win. No. I, look, I don't agree with you, Phoebe. There, there is actually a lot of grassroots support for the Greens. I understand. There is a lot of grassroots support for them, and a lot of people can have a lot of well-considered positions. The problem that I have is when you start getting to Green parties, they start to have some very Strange unworkable idea. positions, such yeah. as the Green Party of the United Kingdom wants to prevent people from consuming meat because the meat industry creates harmful carbon dioxide and okay. harmful methane for the uh, climate, which causes climate change and okay. global heating. So their solution is not to try to find solutions because people are still going to eat meat in the world. Their solution is just to simply ban the consumption of meat. I wonder, I wonder how, like, if you think an alcohol ban won't work out, I can see a meat ban <laughs> working out even, even less. But so some of their positions, it. some of their positions are very sensible positions. Their <laughs> positions on trying to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide and methane which is produced, I'm mm -hmm. fully for that. But it's mm -hmm. the positions that they try to get there, which are the just, other, the other in stuff. my opinion, the other stuff. unworkable and fanciful that are just people who are very idealistic, the same people that sit on roads and glue themselves to paintings are the same people trying to push through these unworkable prohibitions on certain things. But I have nothing against green politics or green policies. It's green parties as they are okay. currently constituted that I have a problem with. Look, it's, it's always been an issue with minor parties especially is that they tend to align along particular policies that aren't necessarily popular policies. 
Part of the reason I joined the Labor Party when I was in my, you know, teens, early 20s was because it, although mm-hmm. I, I agreed with a lot of the positions that the Greens Party at the time put forward, you know, and given that this is 27 years ago, mm-hmm. I um, didn't believe that they had enough power in the system or in the system and that their policies were too all over the place to actually get them anywhere. I think that's still true in a lot of ways. That being said, though, they're no longer a fringe in Australia. No, they are. They're no longer a fringe. And I agree. I agree. I agree with a lot of the policies that the Greens Party, for instance, here in Australia and in Tasmania does put up. So especially the social policies, I do agree with them. However, it's the way they go about it. Precisely. The, exactly. the, over, the, the Overton window isn't being shifted towards people like me any 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 time soon. The Overton no, window is sitting no. firmly in front of my face at the moment. Yeah. But the, the always the issue with that sort of thing is that a party is only defined by the people who participate for it. in it. Exactly. So mm. if you are agreeing with a line that a party presents but not necessarily with the people that the party puts forward, then isn't it part of your obligation to actually join that party and put your own stamp on it? That was part of why I joined the Labor Party. Absolutely. That is the heart of democracy. It's the heart of democracy. And I've always said that there's no point in whinging about shit unless you're prepared to change it. Absolutely. So and as somebody who has stood multiple times for political office in one's life, I fully endorse that. But that's always going to be part of the problem is that there's always going to be a delineation between the people that can and will and the people that can't and won't. And the then people that will, have, people that have that the people can, in the middle who will try but can, won't be able to do People that can and won't. And people that can't but want to. Yeah. Well, that's true too. Well, look, anyway, the, I say, look, looking on the other side, let's say, for example, you believe in like small government and, you know, fiscal responsibility and that kind of stuff. And so you join the Liberal Party. But then let's say that the Liberal Party then takes some extreme positions on, on other things. So let's say, you know, let's say Scott Morrison did win the last election and he put like a, you know, a, a ban on on trans women in uh yeah trans women in sports stuff like that you may not necessarily agree with that but you like some of the other stuff that the liberal party stands for do you then continue with the liberal party in the hopes of changing it or do you do the protest thing and step away from it here's the thing here's the thing i am politically homeless at the moment because i'm a trans woman who is well more to the point Economically very liberal, and mm-hmm. social so economic and socially very liberal. So I believe in free markets are the way to freedom. I believe mm-hmm. that uh, high taxes stifle economic growth. I believe that you should have the choice to run your business as long as it's a public business, which, are, which, are very, which is very very conservative positions. Yeah, pretty much as you want. But I also believe that you have an unmitigated right to marry whoever you want, and I also believe you have an unmitigated right to marry however many people you want, as long as it's all consenting. 
Yes. Yep. That's... Which is a very, very liberal position. <laughs> Indeed. And if you don't want but to be president where's the anymore... party? Where's the, where is the small government? Pro-trans, pro-abortion, pro-business. Where, where is the small government, pro-freedom, liberal party that was around under the uh, in the Mackenzie government times where that where's that gone where is it gone where did it, when did it become the party of Abbott and um, Morrison when did it become this kind of nonsense that I can look at it and I can vomit I've got oh. more in common with the National Party than I do the Liberal yeah. Party because at least That's the National Party have a coherent, cohesive economic yeah. message that I can get behind. Whereas mm -hmm. I don't know what the Liberal Party stand for economically. Is it we want to go and bail out our friends? Or is it we want free markets? Or is it we're just all over the show? We, we hear, we're here for the lol. We're here for a jape. We're here for the lols, yeah. Yeah, the lols. Uh, speaking speaking of lols, let's move on to our, on to our next point, and I'm sure you'll. Uh, hey, um, it's a dead yes, woman. Yes, a uh, very rich and powerful dead woman. Uh, so apparently, according to the Reserve Bank of Australia, uh, King Charles would not be on the five dollar note. Uh, the country's new $5 bill will feature an Indigenous design rather than King Charles III, the nation's central bank said on Thursday. The new king is still expected to appear on coins that currently bear the image of Queen Elizabeth II. So we're going to have to change our intro, Damien. Yes. You know, Her Majesty and her His Majesty are no longer going to be on all our currency. Uh, well, look when when the, when the RBA get off their backside and finally come out with the design with the with King with, with King Chucky on it, then yes, we'll, we'll change that. As there. a numismatist, I want to collect some of these. I want to come to Australia and I want to start collecting some of your money as a numismatist because your money is really interesting. It's from a numismatistic standpoint. Yeah, it is. We're uh, we're so we're so new new numismatist. Oh God, don't don't try saying words. You're so Thank numismatistic, you. are you? I'm, it's very, very coinage. Coinage. You should say coinage. That's, that's a more. You should coin a term word. that's better than numismatism, then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, I actually kind of disagree with this. I am, I am used to having the monarch on the, on the, on the notes, and I don't see any good reason to not have the monarch there. So um, here's, it, a, here's a here's a phrase from the handmaid. Here's a quote from the Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Normal is just what you're used to, and what True. you're used to is just what you have done on a regular basis. And I'll I'll agree. Yes, I'll agree. And like if your if your argument is that King Charles shouldn't be on there because an indigenous person should, well, look at the twenty, the fifty, the tens. You know, there are indigenous like on the fifty. I think it's Albert Namajira, if I'm not mistaken, who's on the who's on the fifty. And I forget who's on the hundred because I don't see many hundreds. But you know, I don't see why. Sorry. It's irrelevant, really. I think I think what they're I think what they're doing is they're seeing the writing on the wall and the fact that you know, a year or two, hopefully, will be a republic. Yeah, but until until then, yeah, no, I don't think it's that quick. 
Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, I, I just look. I just personally don't like the idea of you know. I think like there's there's been this tradition of the monarch being on the lowest denomination note, and you know I think is it's, that because uh, the monarchy is the lowest common denominator? Boom, boom, Tish. I'd Here we go. So, that. Look, so we'll see what happens with uh, with King Chuck and his uh, and his uh, lovely face, his lo- lovely Habsburg. Uh, one what thing I, I would wanna... say, what I would say though is. You can always go back to the pre-dollar days and you can always thank... Pounds and pence! And pounds, shillings and pence! (laughs) And the Uh, joys of uh, Paul Keating abolishing the... Pound the Aussie pound. Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, well, look. Um, speaking of uh things of with with a bit of a jape. Um, David Warner said he's exhausted. Uh, I, this one kind of uh, I thought you as a sports nut and Clancy as the anti sports nut. Um, so Cricket Australia had their awards the other the other day, well, and yeah. David. I, I War- resemble that remark. You resemble that remark. <laughs> anti sports nut. Anti yeah, you're nut for anti sports. No, Look, I, what I, kind I, of nut? Cashew nut, pistachio nut, Brazil nut. Okay, anti-sports cult. There we go. So, so Phoebe and I in the sports cult, and Clancy's in the anti-sports cult. But David Warner actually came out and said that he wanted the night off from having to attend the Cricket Australia Awards because, uh, you know, the, Australia's had a very hectic uh, summer of cricket. Then I think. Uh, they've already the Australian cricket team's already gone to India to play a and series you've got the there. Big Bash League that's already started. Yeah, the Big Bash League. Then you've got the IPL. You've got the uh, this is the Indian Test got, Series. Then you've got the IPL that started, and then you've got the South the African, Ashes. Then you've got the South African T Twenty Series. You've got the Ashes, yeah. and you've also got the T Twenty Series in England, and then you've got the new one, the big multi million dollar Saudi Arabia Dubai, which yeah. You've got the big multi million dollar tour in Saudi Arabia, Dubai mm-hmm. area. And then you've got the American T20 series, which is going to be multi million dollars again. And it's just okay. like, and he's going, like, yeah. I need a night off. And it's like, mate, you will be doing this job for a limited period of time, say 15 yeah. years. You've got the next however many years that you live, 40, 50 years off. I think you can go to the award ceremony. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, look. Um, this is this is kind of what I wanted to get from you was that you know, look, he is a professional sportsman who makes a lot of money from a cricket Australia contract and uh, from that exposure, you know, marketing deals and shit like that. Um, so, you know, is thing. he is he right to say, look, uh, uh, you know, me and some of the more senior players would like a night off to spend no, one more day with not. our family? No, that's ridiculous because okay. you don't turn around to your employer and say, look, I'm terribly sorry, I'm feeling a little tired. You paid me all this money, I've been doing all this work for you, and you are now holding an award ceremony where me and my mates could get some gongs, and I'm not going to turn up because you know, whilst I've been taking your money, I want to pick and choose what obligations I have to you as my employer. So you as my employer can go shove it up your backside because I feel a little bit tired, but please keep paying my salary, my millions of dollars, and giving me all these sponsorship endorsements and all this fame. Please keep doing that, but I'm not going to do the other side of it where I have to, you know, push up Cricket Australia. That is having your cake and trying to eat it as well. Okay, fair enough. All right. I I see both sides of the coin. Um, You know, I think it's... Uh... If you're tired, mate, retire. Do you, see, do, do you see my side of the coin? Just abolish the lot. 
Do you abolish them? Exactly. Why do we have to pay for $20 in a slab of beer? That's that's why it's Clancy's. Fuck off, Cricket. I feel like the reason center of this, where Dame is like, yeah, give him a night off. Kind of like, fuck one of them. Like, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So, I don't know. I feel like the here, which is really weird. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but we just had a Ironman competition in Hobart. Oh, and were six cars stuck in traffic? Oh, 16. the oh. problem is that they 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 supposedly consulted with our local community. Now, okay. my partner lives in an area that was completely cut off. As in. This. As in, he couldn't have, got, he would not have been able to get in or out of his house because wow. the road was closed from well, they run five o'clock in the morning. No, because they were they were running along his road and they were swimming okay. and cycling along his road, so he was not able to get out of his house essentially from I think it was actually earlier than that, four thirty in the morning until about twelve thirty at night in the, mm-hmm. in in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's that's actually a minor thing. I'm I'm thinking of all the people that actually had to go and have medical appointments. You know, people who had to go and have dialysis, and people who had to go and pick up their medications. As you know, I'm a drug and alcohol nurse. We have people mm-hmm. that need to come and dose every day, and they weren't able to come and actually get out of their homes to come and get the. But they spent a year trying to make it happen, Clancy. What? Well, this is the interesting thing about it. I didn't have a fucking clue about this up until about two weeks ago. (laughs) Okay, okay. There was nothing at all advertised as far as I can tell. My partner got a flyer in his letterbox. How long ago, Adrian? Two Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, to tell him what the road closures were and the fact that the road that he's on was completely cut off. Okay. Okay. And we were basically left to organise all the our clients to, you know, go to other places or whatever. But Clancy, it's taken a lot of consultation with the local community. Said the I Man Tasmania's regional director, Carl Smith. Are you accusing this person of consulting with the wrong groups of people? No, I accuse this person of consulting with nobody. <laughs> well, there we go. That's uh... So they did so, uh... not consult with anybody. And I even spoke to a friend of mine who's on a council in that area who conceded okay. that nobody spoke to them. They only spoke to their admin. And this is a, this is they 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 shut down major roads and bridges in Hobart. Well, okay, okay. I've, I've, got a, I've got a question here. To close roads, bridges, public transportation, etc. Surely there needs to be some form of legislative oversight from the Parliament of wherever you live, or <laughs> yes. local council of wherever you live. Mm-hmm. Are you getting there an argument been. from me? No, you are not. Would there have been some discussion at a potentially local council meeting where they've gone, yes, we approve it, or was this done by fiat, by fiat, 
from whoever your local leader or cabinet uh, member. What's that, in your what's local that dirty four-letter word you just said, Phoebes? Fiat. 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 Yes, a, fiat. I love that word. So, well, look. So no, there was not. There was not. So there was about three or four different local councils involved in this mm -hmm. decision. And as yep. far as I know, none of them actually were technically consulted or voted on this issue. But supposedly, according to the Ironman competition people, there was extensive Lots of consultation. consultation. Extensive, yes. So the, uh, the first we heard of it was that my partner got the – uh, message in his flyer in his his mail, and a bunch of um, signs went up to say that there would be road closures. Okay. Now that's fine if you live in the local area, but if you're still working in those areas, or you need to pass through those areas, or there's mm -hmm. business you need to do in those areas, and you don't typically go there all the time, this was the first time people actually knew about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's so, so, and it's not only impacting those local residents, it's also impacting the local businesses that service those areas. Okay. Yeah. So you're yep. talking about people who run markets and um, other businesses and stuff like that around the areas who didn't actually find out about it until it happened. Surprise. So here's Surprise. the thing. Here's the thing. So as I said earlier, I take... A small government approach, generally in what I advocate. But these are public roads funded by public money for the benefit of the public. Exactly. And the public are the ones who should be having some input whether public roads paid for by public money for the use of the public are close to the public. I agree, Fabi. <laughs> Look, all I can say, uh, Clancy, is uh, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? I missed the uh, which tab was it? Sorry, uh, well, here, we, here we go. Tasmanian one, and I don't actually give a fuck. Well, you, you, you've um, got to have this four more years, Clancy. You're going to have this for four more years. This, and this is part of my issues. This is actually being put into place for the next four years. I mean, Every the article year. itself, the article does say it's a bit of a foreign concept. It's inaugural. So this was yes. the first one for the next four years <laughs> yeah. it's going to be run. Yeah. I was going to say, like us in Melbourne, when we have the Grand Prix, um, yeah, we have lots of road closures around the inner city and you can imagine how much of a – how much of what, a, I would uh, say, what I would say is you know the Grand Prix is coming a year out. Yes. Now, you know it's coming, whereas Clancy and friends did not – no, it was coming according to the testimony that I have just received from Clancy. Oh. We, well, we didn't actually know. But uh, irrelevant to that, there are plenty of other places they could have run it that would not have impacted the, mm -hmm. the, the local populace. Like there's there's plenty of space in in Tasmania. Peace. You know, it's, it's like yeah, it's, there's a forest. Chuck in the forest and yeah, wait for the cannibals like, to come no, out. There's, there's a Why aren't of you swimming in the sea and cycling and cycling around the forest? Why aren't you doing yeah, that? There you go. Look, uh, questions, anyway. questions, questions. Um, moving this, on. Moving on, moving on. This is uh, this also happened. This also blew up uh, in the news a couple of weeks ago. Michael Clark, former Australian Test cricket captain, and anyone who knows this sport knows that if you're the Test cricket captain, you're basically the uh, 
uh, second in command of the, you're basically the deputy prime minister uh, by that stage. Uh, Michael Clark, he got into a bit of a screaming match with his uh, girlfriend up in Noosa in Queensland, which involved Carl Stefanovic because Carl Stefanovic's wife is the sister of Michael Clark's girlfriend. Now, as it as as it transpired, uh, Michael Clark's girlfriend caught a sneak peek of text messages on Michael Clark's phone from Michael Clark's ex girlfriend, uh, hinting that Michael Clark was going to have ex girlfriend accompany him to India for his fulfilment of a broadcasting contract. And there is also allegations that Michael Clark got intimate with his ex-girlfriend very recently while he was, you know, in a relationship with Carl Stefanovic's sister-in-law. That turned into a uh, drunken shouting match, and there is very grainy footage of... Um, of of said incident, and Mike Clark didn't hold himself up too well. He was basically daring. I think he was daring Carl Stefanovic to hit him. I think he actually did get slapped by his uh, by his girlfriend. Um, yeah, it was actually a bit of a, a sad, sorry story. So Michael Clark and his girlfriend have been charged by the police for I think public disturbance out of uh, out of all things. Funny names for your laws. We do. A public we do. disturbance. Call it what it was. It was a domestic incident. It, it was. It was actually a domestic. It was. It was a domestic incident with some domestic violence. Domestic um, abuse. We don't yes, use domestic abuse. Violence anymore. It's domestic abuse. Now this. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Here we go. I've actually got the uh, the video. Let's uh, let's have a listen. Let's have a listen to this. Australian cricketer Michael Clark and his girlfriend Jade Yarbrough have been fined for creating a public nuisance. The couple were filmed arguing with Today Show host Carl Stefanovic and his partner in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast. The case has since been closed. Clark's commentary role for Australia's tour of India next month is also at risk, worth an estimated $150,000. But you can see in the subtitles there of that, you know, he's basically telling people to hit him and, you know, don't you fucking walk away and all, all that kind of stuff. And oh, here we go. Uh, a screen match continues. Clark also simply said to Carl Stefanovic, Carlos, I can tell you now. So you You're don't, a you cunt. Walk- don't you yeah, fucking walk, walk away. She away. can go punch me, but you, but you can't. Cunt. cunt. <laughs> well, there we go. You'll see her next Tuesday, but you won't yeah, see her in the, the NT. See you in the NT, yes. That's, uh, I'm the, sorry. The, why, why do we give sports stars this sort of kudos? Like, no, why do we even entertain this crap? I think that that's a separate question. But well, he is real. given this. Hang on, he is given this. He is given his place as a role model. He is given a large amount of money by Cricket Australia. He is a representative of Australia to the rest of the world. And as somebody who could have him come and play my cricket team, do I really want him representing the opposition and being shown as this is the best of Australia to my country, to the children of my country, to the fellow people of my country? Do I really want to be saying, yes, we endorse people who are committing domestic abuse as legitimate representatives of our opponents? We didn't go and play Mugabe in Mugabe's Zimbabwe. Uh-huh. We didn't go and play Zimbabwe's Mugabe because of violence and everything. We shouldn't be endorsing idiots like Michael Clark who get away with domestic abuse just because... Well, he, well, yeah, he, he, he did no domestic abuse. He, 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 he was the victim he of was domestic, the one, domestic abuse. 
yeah, domestic abuse runs both ways, though. There may not have been, you know, this, that, that. He was clearly shouting and swearing at members of the public and at her, which is uh-huh. in and of itself a form of domestic uh, abuse, where sorry, she but... was also singing and dancing at him, which is also a form of domestic abuse. It cuts both ways. Just because he was shouting she did it first doesn't mean that what he was doing was also acceptable and wasn't domestic abuse. And I don't want individuals who allow situations like this to get to the situation they have done, representing the opposition in one of the largest sporting events that my country will take part in, as a role model to what will be children and families watching it. But when did uh, playing sports become a litmus test for your character? Because you are a role model Says who? Where is this role model? You are a role model because you get sponsorship deals, you get large amounts of money, large amounts of public exposure, and you are paraded in front of potentially children at schools to go, look, you too can play cricket and you too can play cricket for your country and you can represent your country and you can be just like me hitting your wife, for example, when OJ Simpson was held up as a moral authority in front of millions of people every week as a great American football player. And he is where it all started. The character of these people in the 1990s was started to be put under the microscope when OJ Simpson got away with murder. Well, tell us how you really feel. Tell us how you really feel. I actually agree with both of you. On one hand, I feel that no sport should be held up as a example for anything and no person who plays that sport should be held up as an example for anything. And so I agree with Damien in that sense. That, whoa, whoa, know, whoa, it, whoa. I'm buying, I'm buying a lot of tickets now. I know. I agree with you. I agree with you, Damien. Why was this person put up as some sort of, you know, higher higher echelon being that we were basing. Well, I think ju- just just like I said before about sex and morality, there's also this thing about sport, uh, success exactly. in sport seen, being seen as a, uh, I suppose, a lithograph of your character. Exactly. So, yeah, lithograph, litmus test. Let, let us say okay. litmus test. So if you're in any sort of um, area where you are in the public eye, you are seen as an example. Unfortunately, for some weird, bizarre reason, <laughs> yep. sports people are held in high esteem in modern yep. society. So they are part of that litmus test. So if you are a sports person and you are renowned and you're seen as an example, then therefore whatever you do in the public realm is seen as being important. Yep. Uh, Clancy, do you still need to go? Which is Phoebe's point. Which is Phoebe's point. Fair enough. Do you still need to go in a few minutes? I do. Okay. All right. Um, Damien, are you happy to keep on going without Clancy? I'm just cooking a lasagna. Now I think we we don't don't mind you you eating on camera. No, let her eat on camera. This is this is a free free country. She can eat on. What I would say is that your partner is more than welcome to join us as a fourth. Yes, you can maybe. I'm, he can. I'm sure my partner would be quite happy to eat his lasagna on camera. Okay, well, look, okay, Clancy, do whatever you want to at eight. If you're here, you're here. If not, um, what I, I would say it, is that instead of it being OnlyFans, it's only lasagna. 
Only lasagna. I should, sorry, sorry, wrong one. Well, all, all I can say is the bechamel turned out perfectly today. Oh, I, Clancy, stop! You, you, you're making me hungry. Stop all it. I'll say yeah. is that that's a radioactive topic that you brought up now. <laughs> I know it's a. That's a lovely segue, Phoebe. Yeah, so one's hot out of the oven and one is hot in your hands. One is hot to top. You're correct. So uh, last week, a truck from uh, the mining town of Newman went down to Perth, and along the way, along the 1,400-kilometre journey, a very small radioactive capsule popped out. And so they went looking for a radioactive needle in a haystack. And they found it. Apparently they found it uh, just by the side of the road. They found it, yes, uh, not too far, just outside of... um, uh, not too far, just outside of Newman, apparently. Um, it was just on the side of the road. It was just sitting there. Um, surprised someone didn't take it and try sell it at cash converters for a, you know, for a quick buck. Cash converters. I don't know. It was too. Did it you was have those adverts well? for someone to find it? Sorry, guys. I think it was a little bit too small for someone to just see it and pick it up. Uh, eight millimeters by it. eight millimeters by six millimeters. So not even yeah. a centimeter. Yeah, here's the exactly. question. How did they find it? Uh, probably the Geiger counter. Geiger counters. Yep. So it really helps if your needle in the haystack is radioactive. <laughs> there, you, there you, you go. Got that's a Geiger counter. Oh, you may get the needle that? if you're not careful. No. Well, no. you know, look, the, the thing is, too, is that they had a couple of things in their favour. They knew that it had been lost along that stretch of highway. They also had him GPS tracked all the way from his destination. Exactly. From so yeah. they knew they knew roughly where it had been lost and they knew that it was radioactive and they had Geiger counters and they could track it. Mm-hmm. The fact that it fucking got lost in the first place is just bizarre. Well, that's a... Uh... Speaking of bizarre, New Zealand... I just want to say New Zealand bizarre. I didn't care what's happening oh, there. Just, it, resigned. I think that's more important. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, yes. That's a uh, yes. Uh, yeah. When did she... We'll come to her after we have spoken about uh, gay sports stars being in the public eye because I yes. think it oh, worked very God. well from our previous story. So, radioactive. No, not necessarily our previous story with radioactive. Ah, uh, oh, with Michael Clark. Yeah. So. Yeah. Here is another example of sports stars being in the public eye. Mm -hmm. This is a positive role model saying Mm -hmm. it's fine to be who you are. It's fine to love who you are. Being gay is not a problem. Whereas previously, very macho sports have been not very welcoming. I mean... Yeah, and it I has was going to say very I'll, difficult, I'll, particularly yeah. in the world of association football, as opposed to just rugby football, for people to actually express their sexuality independently of the pressures. Yeah, there's I was only say, one like, active gay football professional that I know of. Okay, I was going to say because, like, in uh, Australian rules football, in the men's game, there is no one who is currently uh, out as homosexual. Whereas in the women's game, there are, you know, from the face of it, you know, dozens of lesbians in uh, in the women's game. And bisexual people. And bisexual people too, yes. And here's the thing. I am a big fan of the, of, um, the Arsenal Women's Association football team. 
And the sexual diversity in that team is fantastic. I mean, two of the players are married. Okay. That's so scary. Ne- ne- never bring your spouse to work. Never, spouse never, ever. Your work. No, 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 that's it. All right. But that's that's the level of openness that we have in the women's side of the game. Uh-huh. And it is fantastic to see Campbell Johnston actually say, look, I am who I am. I am a public figure, whether I want to be or not, because I'm doing something that I love and enjoy, and I'm endorsed by my country to do it. Uh And it's time to tell my country that it's fine for me to be who I want to be and play this sport. It's fine for me to be a member of civil society and be openly gay and not be ashamed to say, look, I don't want to date people of the opposite sex. I want to date people of the same sex. And that's fine. And that's the only way how you will ever get societal progress. It's not through government diktats and government mandates. It's through individuals who are high profile, making it normal for people who are not high profile to just go, and so what? Thank you very much, Phoebe. That's uh, couldn't, have said, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and look, maybe he'll be a better role model than the heterosexual players. And maybe it'll come to a time when all of the national sports stars in whatever sport, in whatever country, will be out and out homosexuals. That's, I doubt it. And, 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 and you, you have to keep your heterosexuality in the closet. No, I think, I think the point is we should come to a point where it doesn't fucking matter. Well, true. And yeah, no one has to talk about it. There you get a applause as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, is that lasagna? I see you munching away on. Uh, I might have had a slight corner. <laughs> just, just, uh, just you know, a, a, a little nibble, a little like you know. Anyway, Jacinda Arden. Yes, has decided to ditch it in. You see, well, I, 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 I think there. she jumped before she was going to be pushed. I think so too. I don't yeah. think she's going to. I don't think the Labour Party will lose the next election. I don't. Think I don't think they election. will. But at the same time, there was there was a little bit bit of a pushback against her, which I think she recognised. But I think she just had enough. Like, she was I in it for like Prime Minister of something years. New Zealand for what eight years now? Seven, eight yeah, years. Yeah, she's has been a there a while. Child as well. Yep, she does. You know, she she had a baby in office, and 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 yeah, I'm yeah, like, well, good for her. She didn't, didn't do the Helen Clark, though. She didn't do a Helen Clark who saw the writing on the wall and then jumped ship. She didn't do a Helen Clark. No, I Clark. think it was before she think saw she the writing did it. on the wall. No, I think she saw the. I think she saw the writing on the wall. I think you know. Just well, I don't think she did. And, I don't and, and because I honestly think. I honestly think that the Labour Party stay in power after the next election. Whereas when Helen Clark jumped ship. The Australian, like the Australian, um, the New Zealand, New Zealand. Labour Party <laughs> got the New Zealand Labour Party got turfed out of office. Okay, I, I think Whereas, she saw the writing on the wall, but gave her party enough time to repair before the fourteenth of October election. Yeah, no, I'd agree. With right that. She she gave she gave them opportunity, and I she think ditched it before they ditched her. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's a good way. Good way of looking at it. Uh, let's jump onto something a little bit, a little bit more, much more serious. Much more serious is robo debt. 
Oh dear. Now we we've discussed oh RoboDebt before, but just as just as a quick recap, um, RoboDebt was a government program in which. Uh, the Australian Tax Office automatically aggregated uh, income, uh, averaged uh, uh, so so on your tax on your tax returns when an employer uh, I suppose reports the amount you are paid. The Australian Tax Office uh, aggregated that across an entire year, uh, reported that against what was from Centrelink, and then uh, because welfare in Australia is means tested, meaning that uh, if you get a certain amount of money from your income, you're no longer entitled. What this? What, what you was, have a tier step down approach? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what RoboDebt was? RoboDebt was never the official name. RoboDebt was a name given to it by the media, in which computers were doing the number crunching and automatically sending out uh, infringement Demand notices. Letters. Demand, yeah, demands letters to people who ostensibly had no way of paying them because they were receiving welfare. And they, um, they, here's the thing: they may have, they may have also not been accurately assessed with the amount that, of money that, that they should have been well. demanding from them. Yes, and so part this of the, the problem, problem the, the problem with robo debt was the human input into the systems was well, so the, deficient because the well, system I, itself wasn't hmm. set up to accurately work out, and so the actual underlying programming of the robo-debt system uh-huh. was erroneous because it was sending out to people who, first of all, shouldn't have been receiving demand letters because they actually yeah. had no debt in the first place, and it shouldn't have been sending out demand letters to people because the amount they were demanding was wrong, and yeah. they shouldn't have been sending out demand letters because people that were receiving welfare had no means of paying it and the letters didn't give anybody any information about you can set up a small repayment plan to clear your mm-hmm. debt and you need to call this number to work out how you're going to stop receiving the incorrect amount of benefits. Yes, uh, pretty much that. And uh, the other part of it was that the people behind the uh, behind the scheme uh, the, and the people who heard the appeals from those sent these uh, demand letters well, basically, look. Uh, this is what the system says. This is what you must pay, and so that caused that caused a lot of stress and heartache. And uh, yeah, no apparently, there, yeah, and apparently there were people who unfortunately took their own lives because of the stress and worry that this uh, that this scheme created. Now, the reason Absolutely. this scheme the reason this scheme is in the news is because there is a royal commission into robo debt. And just uh, on the oh sorry, uh, the article I've got on the screen here is Alan Tudge. Alan Tudge was the what minister? Ah, oh, he was the former cabinet minister. What minister? Ah, oh, he was the human services minister. Uh, in uh, yeah. So basically, this scheme was set up by I think Peter Dutton and uh, Scott Morrison, with a couple of other people as well, uh, in order to help recoup some of the massive welfare bill that the Australian government has. So welfare is one of the biggest costs in Australian government, and this it scheme always was is any country with a welfare state. Yes, and this scheme was designed to recoup, you know, the, a lot, some of that money to you know help boost the government coffers. So, um, so Alan Tudge was a minister in this uh, in the government that in uh, that uh, I suppose implemented it alongside with Scott Morrison and and others, but. Um, yeah. So some of the uh, some of the takeaways was but, that uh, it was unfathomable that a secretary in his department would not raise legal issues with him. Um, it's not their job. Legality had not crossed my mind until I read about it in a newspaper. 
Um, have potential so to inaccurately represent the income of welfare recipients. Oh, what a fucking surprise. So, so here's the so, thing so that so gets me about this. I just wanted to... Sorry, basically, the thought was we're just going to rip off all the poor people without actually looking to see if it's actually legal. And, and not caring what they say afterwards. So here's Pretty the thing much. that gets me the most about this this whole thing, is that the payments people were receiving were all set out in statute. They were all set out in law, specifically. And this group of individuals decided that they were able to override the law in the same way that ScoMo was able to say, well, you know, I was going to be this minister, this minister, this minister, this minister, <laughs> yeah, this minister, yeah, this yeah, minister. Yeah. That tells me a lot about the culture of ScoMo as Prime Minister and Peter Dutton now as Prime Minister. Uh, opposition leader, you mean? Oh, sorry, opposition leader. Yes, as one of the uh, prime this, minister. Yeah, and this but it story... tells me a lot about the whole culture because it tells me that they don't have deference to the law; they believe the law has deference to them, and Whoa. that's an issue. This uh, part of the story also, uh, I think, is worth talking about. So, this lady here, Rochelle Miller, Rochelle Miller was Alan Tudge's media advisor, and she testified to the Royal Commission uh, a day or two before uh, Alan Tudge did. And her testimony basically said was that uh, she was told to put friendly stories in friendly, uh, strategically placed stories in friendly media, including the Murdoch press, to try shut down the media storm over RoboDebt. And that's in this paragraph just just here. That's appalling. So it is actually quite interesting. Appalling. Yeah, it's quite interesting how. Um, well, this is this is politics, though. Politics is, you know, you, you do dumb shit. Either you apologize for dumb shit, or you try and make the dumb shit not look so bad, and so you play the media cycle. Um, Rochelle Miller and Alan Tudge are by no means the only people who have ever Absolutely. massaged the media to get something horrible uh, across the line. I understand that, but most of these things that are massaged in the media aren't card-carryingly unlawful and card-carryingly killing people. Yeah, that's a... Uh, At least there is, is some a, uh... semblance that there is legality behind these things. At least there is some semblance of, okay, we've tried our best here, the public just don't like it. It was like when it came to the John Howard uh, Workfare Australia. A lot of people hated it, and he hated doing it. But at least he was lawful with uh, <laughs> yeah, Workfare yeah. Australia. At least he was lawful and changed the law. Whereas this was just patently unlawful because it was mm. ministers setting up a system to take away lawfully issued entitlements to people that had been agreed by Parliament. And they decided they knew better than the elected parliament of Australia. So they mm. were just going to be the law and make the law and act as the law, which was just absurd from the start. Oh, look, to, to a point, ministers are the law. You know, like they have delegated responsibility, but it's... But uh, that I think power not, emanates not from the, the legislature. They're not the law. The ministers propose the law, but they don't actually endorse the law and they yeah, don't... And any delegated powers that you are exercising has to emanate from some form of legislation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So this, this touches on a previous episode fairly early on, Damien, mm. where we were talking about the fact that the, this the robo-debt thing was used as 
punishment for people who were poor. As, as a cudgel, yes. But I mean, cudgel was in... who, who had no other a crime apart from being poor. And so having and having really having a having a computer makes mirrors about how much money you really earned. Um, the, this highlighted paragraph actually kind of struck me as well. She told the commission this was a political hit that allowed the coalition to throw back to Labor that you would let these guys go. Miller said initially in late 2016 that Tudge's office was not concerned about the critical media coverage because it was in the left wing media. Much of the early reporting of the program was published in Guardian Australia. Asked by the commissioner, Catherine Holmes, ACSC, where the ABC fit into her view of the media, she said it was also in the left-wing media camp. Which is a very right-wing thing to say, a very, you know, Absolutely. liberal, very... Uh, well, it's, it's it, typical defence for the right wing to say, oh, you know, the only people that have... They're, they're ABC. The left wing. So here's the next question. Here's the logical next question. If Sky News Australia had reported it, would they have shut the program down immediately? Well, that's a good question. Yes. Or if it had been in the telly. If it had been in the telly, would it have been shut down straight away? If it had been in the telly and on um, Sky News Australia, the, the telly here not being, you know, the TV, as in the Australian Telegraph. Oh, the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. If it had been in those publications or other associated with Murdoch Press, would it have been shut down immediately? Well, that's uh, well, possibly possible. Because those sorts of people don't get robodeps because they're rich. <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, I, I'd love to see... They all live in Brighton and get offered state funerals when they die because they were uh, an Australian cricketer. No, or they live the, in the northern suburbs of Sydney and um, various posh yeah. areas of Melbourne and Adelaide. La Lardy da, yes, Brighton. And you and don't get social housing because you get to a, a, avoid social housing. Oh, they're yeah. definitely not in social housing. No, definitely not, no. Um, and I think uh, this uh, this story I wanted to quickly touch on as well. Clubs New South Wales boss Arth sacked after accusing Dominic Perrottet of acting on his Catholic gut. As I uh, said, well, there's nothing illegal about being Catholic. But there is something illegal about being Dominic Parrottet. Oh. Uh, uh, so basically, the, the story behind this story, the story behind this story was that uh, Dominic Parrottet's government is looking at uh, implementing reforms to gambling in New South Wales. Uh, and as I said on a previous uh, previous episode, the clubs New South Wales, the clubs of New South Wales are actually quite powerful. And so um, the who was the guy? Who was the uh, Josh Landis? Josh Landis had either apparently said or tweeted something that um, uh, something like, "Oh, Dominic Perrottet is just acting out of his Catholic conservative gut," as in he's being unreasonable about uh, implementing uh, gambling reforms in New South Wales. Uh, that was seen as, I suppose, vilifying uh, Dominic Perrottet. And yeah, I think I think he was right. That was that was interesting, really, because because that, he got a lot of he got a lot of clap back about that comment. Um, that somehow was particular to Dominic Perrottet being Catholic, and it was like, well, yeah, fuck yes, I'm sorry, but it should be a crime to be Catholic because of the way they view social security and the way they view poverty and the way they view how people are entitled to what they get from the government. 
then, then is- why not? Well, then why, then why not say socialism is crime? It's a crime to be a socialist, or it's a crime to crime to be a capitalist. Well, it or should crime be a be- fucking crime to be a Catholic. I'm I sorry. Especially when you, especially when you look at what's happened subsequently with the um, the whole private school situation, and you know what's been going on in the schools with girls being told not to have their HPV vaccinations. I, I agree that I agree that Catholics are behind some dumb shit, but then there's other people who have done dumb shit dumb as well. Shit. They're behind sorry? all dumb shit. I'm sorry, Damien. But no, a, a, a lot, but you know, there's other no, dumb shit. No, pretty that much other most of the dumb shit that happens in 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 private education is because of the Catholics. Okay. Um. But- so the but my other point with that was that it's that whole blockade in New South Wales, especially, um, where they take that Catholic position in private education, that it's the only good position and people don't actually listen to people who aren't catholic who aren't christian mm-hmm. who have a differing point of view they need to actually do that because most of the population in new south wales is now anti-catholic and yeah. anti-christian and anti-private schools and they're gonna they're gonna bite back Okay. Next, well, well, I predict, we'll I predict in the next couple of years, I predict in the next couple of years, this is going to be a massive issue in New South Wales, especially. Okay. Look, so what, what happened was uh, apparently Josh Landis had said to the Sydney Morning Herald, the New South Wales Premier had very little understanding about the issue and was merely acting on his conservative gut. What he's done is create hyper-anxiety among the industry and among people who go to clubs and hyper-excitement among those who want reform. Which um, I have to say, I'm 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 with Dominic Perrottet. Any move to curb problem gambling, I'm 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 with. Um, but he's not curbing problem ga- gambling. That's the point. What's he doing then? He's not. He's protecting the interests of the Catholics in the as gambling in- industry. As in, I oh, so okay. So and he's attacking. Re- he's attacking. He's attacking people from social welfare backgrounds. That's who's, who's, who, who, who's he attacking? I don't know of anyone who Dominic Perrottet is personally anyone attacked. who doesn't vote fucking Catholic. That's who he's attacking. So, so in, what, in what way? He's, I don't who know. Can't what... afford, who can't afford a private school? How, how is he attacking? Like what? What has Dominic Perrottet actually done? Like I get that you don't like Catholics, Clancy. I get that. And no, I don't. Lot, I don't it, like the ethos. Okay, that's that's fine. There's there's lots of things about the Catholic Church I don't like. But what has Dominic Perrottet done specifically that we can that you can point to that you know? Well, he's pro- he's protecting Catholic schools. In, in what in, in what way? In what way is he protecting? He's, pro- he's protecting the feeding mechanisms into Catholic schools, such as such, can you, like. Do you have any specifics? Do you have any specifics about what is actually? Yeah, he's, he's protecting how they're funded. Okay, he's still but that's how they're funded. Okay, but like private schools, like I'm sure he would do the same for Anglican schools and independent schools no. as well. Well, he probably is, but he's protecting particularly Catholic schools. Any religious schools he's protecting. He's he's diverting funding away from the public schools. 
Okay, and, so and he's he's defunding. Okay, because I haven't. Let's. Uh... I'm not saying he's defunding. I'm saying he's protecting funding to the religious schools. That doesn't necessarily mean he's defunding the other schools. Okay. He's just saying, um, hey, you can't take the funding away from the ones that I like. Okay, which is his personal. You know, he's allowed to have that particular well, position. He's not. He's actually not. I'm sorry, but that should be egalitarian. Not as, and as you know, my opinion is that no private school should be funded at all by the public purse. Mm. But unfortunately, that's the way they do it. Yeah, uh, without knowing the specifics of the situation, um, I, I think that uh, private schools should be funded. So. Schools should be funded so that there is little in the in the difference between the educational outcomes of both public and private schools. No, uh, no, in, no, 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 no. Private no? schools should not be funded, full stop. Private schools should not be funded by the public purse, full stop. They are private. They should only be funded by the pub private purse. Yeah. We should not be giving them any money, full stop, at all. They are private. I think, I think a little. I think a little bit because I don't see. No, I don't know, it, no. I'm sorry. They deserve nothing. Who who, who anyone, deserves any? Who, who deserves anything, Classy? Who deserves anything? No, anyone who sends their child to a private school is entitled to send their child to a public school. So if they're unhappy with their private school, they can send their child to a public school that is adequately funded by the public purse. And then yeah, okay. everyone... so, 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 so I get so I get that, but is that does that all like so let's say Dominic Perrottet has, you know, kind of protected some of the mechanisms by what by oh, which private schools are funded. Definitely has. Look at look Okay, at okay. So let's so let's say he has. Does that still make being a Catholic a crime? Does that mean he should be like, you know, arrested and tried and, you know, drawn drawn and courted and hung in the public square? No, he his... should be blocked. He should be blocked from voicing his opinion on how public education and healthcare and a bunch of other things are funded. So another another point with this though is that mm -hmm. Dominic Perrottet, amongst others, was indicated in Opus Day and the way that yep. they actually prescribed the curriculum in several Catholic run schools mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that included how women or girls rather were given their HPV vaccination. They yes. should block women and girls from getting their HPV vaccination, which is proven to prevent cervical cancer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, hey, he just basically subjected a bunch of girls to possible cervical cancer in their future. Uh, did he actually, or did he just, or did he just state an opinion? Well, that's why I'm saying possibly. Uh, okay, because but I they saw... did actually block those girls. What? They did actually say to, they did actually counsel those families and counsel those girls against getting their HPV vaccination, okay. which is publicly in, in the public health system was recommended for them to have. Okay. In addition to that, okay. We know, we know that Opus Day has their fingers in lots of pies as far as that's concerned, yeah. and that just shouldn't be happening. 
but you you could also say that um uh the let's say the victorian socialists have their fingers in a lot of pies and you know they have their tentacles spread out and all all that kind of stuff is is it a crime to be influential i don't necessarily think it's a crime to be influential but it's a crime to actually make decisions that directly affect people's lives and prevent them from getting adequate health care and adequate choices about their health care and adequate choices about what they're going to do in their future, which is what they've been doing. So, you know, that that's my point of view. I don't think that anyone should have any influence over private religious education in a state sphere. If people want to send their kids so, so let's to say, religious education, fucking go for it, but they have to pay for it themselves. Okay, so let's say there is a, a, a school... Uh, that is completely private. Uh, it is funded only by, you know, the fees of the parents. And they're giving uh, all this really bad advice. They're saying that, you know, let's say uh, don't don't take the COVID vaccine, don't get the HPV vaccine, don't even get the MMR vaccine. Um, and let's say they teach purity culture. Let's say that, you know, they expel uh, girls for uh, boys and girls for sexual activity, all this kind of stuff. Would you still be okay with that because they're not getting public funding? I'm not okay with it, but I should would definitely not be giving them public funding, and those kids should be um, having a definitely recourse to suing their parents and suing the schools from harm done. I suppose. Then, at what point do you? At what point do you say? Okay, so so then let's say you give uh, a a private school government money on the condition that they teach a certain curriculum isn't then that uh i suppose violating freedom of choice freedom of conscience freedom of religion yeah that, that kind well, of stuff because you're because you're tying those, you know those, money those, to... that, those families still have a choice to teach those things to their children privately okay mm-hmm. so you still have a choice to say okay my kids go into a public school where they're learning a state curriculum uh-huh. They're learning evolution. They're learning science. They're learning whatever. Yeah, yeah. I can still send my kid to church on a weekend, or send them to Sunday school, whatever it is, and teach yeah. them privately what I believe. You're not stopping that. You're not stopping that indoctr- indoctrination at all. Uh-huh. You're just preventing all the other children who haven't chosen that, and their parents who haven't chosen that, from being exposed to it. That's my point. So sure. when I was when I was in school, I didn't have a fucking choice. No. We got put in those classes. And I yep. was like, I got kicked out of several scripture classes because I argued with my teachers. Okay. Leading, leading the way. Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. So my point is that I shouldn't have been having to be in those classes in the first place. That shouldn't have been part of my school curriculum. If you want to send your kid to a school that teaches that, you should be paying for that privilege. That should mm-hmm. not be a state thing. It shouldn't be funded by the state. And that goes for health as well. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, it's interesting. Um, some very good points. I, I, I do I do agree uh, you make some very good points. Uh, Phoebe, you're sitting there very quietly like a, like a wallflower. She's listening wild. to Ming, 
Clancy I <laughs> disagree. I find that I have said all I can say on these issues on a number of platforms, and me yeah. saying anything else would simply be gilding to the lily on this. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I did going tete-a-tete on this <laughs> is what the debate needs, and me adding my opinion, which has been said on a number of platforms on a number of different shows, inside and uh, outside, so within and without this show, would simply be gilding the lily at this point. No, fair enough. Look, um, I yeah, so Clancy makes some good points. I disagree with some, but this is this is uh, having a healthy debate. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I did want to touch on as well that there were protests in Sydney about Cardinal George Pell's funeral, and that was uh, yes. that kind of uh, yeah. That's uh, I think there's there's a bigger problem in the Catholic Church, and they need to cop uh, they need to cop their lumps. Uh, especially in, in in that regard. Now, look, it's fine for you know Catholics to I suppose commemorate or you know mourn the death of one of their greatest figures. Um, it's also the right of people you know who are angry with what the church has done, you know, to let it be known that you know, hey, you guys, we you know, we don't like you guys because of what you've done in the past, and you haven't really said sorry for it. Um. What was it? There was a thing where in George Pell's old uh, diocese in Ballarat, uh, people were tying ribbons around uh, statues and stuff. Uh, here we go. This, this is exactly the story. Oh, I better, better share this tab. Um, yeah, this story where um, yeah, every, every ribbon was from someone who had been abused or knew someone who was abused by the Catholic Church. Was actually quite a, um, yeah, quite a. Like, if if a sporting club had like let's say five people guilty of uh, you know sexual misconduct, and it was proven that the the higher ups knew about it, you know, we'd be calling for the deregistration of that club, you know, post haste. Whereas, you know, you see how many ribbons here are just in the Ballarat diocese alone. Um, and, you know, not only are we letting these people uh, continue on, but we're giving them money to do their thing. And they haven't really, yeah, and we've had to drag them kicking and screaming across hot coals to get them to understand that, you know, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's how I feel about it. And I do and- too. I can't believe a, with a single word you've just said there. Thank you very much. And there's Clancy Clancy eating lasagna. I'm uh I'm I'm eating my lasagna. So oh. one thing about Cardinal Pell. Yes. Just so one. I was I was quite disturbed by the fact that people were taking down the ribbons. Yes. I agree yep. with that. I think that was actually really important. That was the protest. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a start, I don't think he should have been given a state funeral. Oh, he wasn't. He he wasn't. He was given a um. Well, he was given like a really loud um memorial service at the Catholic Church, but it wasn't a it wasn't hmm. a uh, state funeral. Technically, but well, also the whole the whole thing with um Tony Abbott did pay terrible tribute to him. Oh God, I think Tony Abbott said it was like he was the mo- nice, the the most decent He's guy. A saint. Not, not just that. Not just that. There was a um. Oh God, what was it? Um, he said that he was the most wonderful person that he he knows. Um, this funeral is less. Oh, let me see if I can get this up. 
this funeral is less a sad farewell to a great friend and more a joyous tribute to a great hero. It's a celebration of a wonderful life, a once-in-a-generation gathering of the people of faith to rededicate ourselves to the ideas George Pell lived for and to draw strength from each other for struggles ahead. He basically he basically was canonizing. Beatification. Uh, yes, there's a lot of beatification. Yes, in what you oh, said yes, there. yes. He was he was beatifying. Um, yes, uh, yes. He called him. He called him uh, the greatest man I've ever known. And I'm thinking, wow. if George Pell is the greatest man that Tony Abbott's ever known, I'd hate to see who the worst, who the worst is. Look, it is pretty sad, actually. I, as as you know, I met Tony Abbott once, and he's probably the worst man I've ever known. Mm, okay, well, that's uh, because he shook your hand, didn't he? He did. He was as slimy as anything. Okay, well, that's a. Uh, you heard it here first, Tony Abbott's slimy, yeah. slimy handshake. Slimy, slimy. Um, I did. I did want to end on. I know we've gone a little bit over time, and uh, we've yeah, got into some uh, uh, debates. Uh, Al's mentioning of Scott Morrison before led me. Um, this here, uh, where was it? I think it was. I think it was last week. Let me zoom in. Let me zoom in. In New South Wales, uh, they organised <laughs> what was called what was called I Forgive Day. Uh, it was Ooh, done. Yes. Do you was, forgive them for I Forgive Day? I don't. <laughs> So basically what happened was uh, you may have heard last year there were four children of a particular family who were, so no, five children who were hit by a runaway car as they were walking to get some ice cream. Um, what then happened, so the parents have launched a I Forgive in order to like embrace the healing and the community-minded message of forgiving Which someone. wonderful and lovely. Yes. It's a concept. And- and uh, Scott Morrison was uh, was part of that. He he was endorsing it because it's in New South Wales, you know that kind of. So you see on this uh, on this screen here, there is freedom in forgiveness. I forgive that will take place annually on the first of Feb. I really dislike the way that they have stylized I for as a singular letter, for as a uh, number, numeral, and then give. <laughs> It's a separate word to day. Well, well, that's I forgive uh, day in and day is in tiny print compared to I forgive. Oh, look at that! That's the that's the marketing people. But what I noticed was on Scotty's uh, on Scott Morrison's uh, Facebook page where he actually posted this. Some of the comments were quite quite hilarious. That they basically go between Scotty, you're a man of God. Um, you know, keep doing what you're doing, keep fighting the good fight. And then there were other people who um who basically said, Scotty, uh, I don't forgive you for all the ministries you stole. I don't forgive you for your you know for being a shit prime minister. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't forgive you for your uh, crass grab of power during a yeah exactly pan- exactly international exactly. pandemic. Uh, but look at this. What a great PM we have. This is a beautiful ceremony honoring these angels. Um, so, yeah, just all these sycophantic tributes. I suppose and then these you people, have the people that are plugged in with reality going, Oi, ScoMo, you uh, sco shit. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically, these people have been sycophantic to ScoMo as much as Tony Abbott was to George Pell. And it's. Uh, Look at this, Scott Morrison. The things that come out of your heart is incredible. You are indeed one of the best Prime Minister of Australia. God bless you and your family, Scott Morrison. I hope to see you continue our Prime Minister because the great things come out from your heart in incredible. 
Oh boy, let's. Uh, I think anybody, I might have to. Anybody have a large dun, sick bucket? Dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to ruin your lasagna eating, there, Clancy. But this. Uh... I'm so glad I've consumed all of my breakfast materials. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to end there. Ladies, thank you so much for taking a bit more time out of your day, uh, Clancy. Thank I you forgive for you. I forgive you, Damien. Uh, you did nothing wrong for me to forgive you, Phoebe. You've always been wonderful and nice to me. And uh, Clancy, there is no reason for me to forgive you. I celebrate and beatify you. <laughs> I, I, I forgive you nothing, Phoebe, because I agree with you. There is nothing to forgive. And I, I hope, I hope the generosity goes towards me as well. You can get canonized if you like. I don't think you for anything either, Damien, because there is nothing to forgive. No, no, we are all... I canonize thee, Damien, and I gatify thee. Oh, I'm getting beatified. Nice. No, but... You got canonized. You got canonized. You got canonized. Damien and St. Phoebe, and I'm never, ever going to be a saint. Damien got canonized and Clancy got... There, there we go. But no, no we I'm are. I'm sorry. What, one I'm of the cool things about this podcast is that yes, we disagree, but we are genuinely friends behind the scenes, and we do, oh, you know, send we're each other. We we do send each other we memes, and be, we may not always be the friendliest of friends. No, definitely, definitely not. Spiky moments. I'll agree. But on moments. on that on that note, uh, goodbye to you, Phoebe. You go do whatever you do on a Sunday, Clancy. You get ready for work tomorrow, um, and until next time. Let's Chick save. Well, here I come. save the Governor General. Let, let's Chick save well, our money. Chig will hear you come. Let's save some money because inflation's going up, whether it has King Charles's face on it or not. Or whether it's reclaimed. Let's save the $5 yet. bill. <laughs> Reclaim. In history's page, let every state advance Australia fair. Yeah, yeah.